0: Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. All right, welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Gary and Laura. I met them through the Gap Year Association's annual Gap Year Conference, where they did a presentation on mental health interventions, and I just thought it was really, really relevant to all of our situations right now. And like, even if we are not responsible in our job for checking in with people and their mental health, we're still all responsible for checking in with ourselves and with our loved ones, and we can apply a lot of the same strategies that they talked about in their presentation.
1: It's so, it's so great to be with you, and um, Laura and I are really excited to be part of your podcast. Laura and I both are clinicians full-time. Um, I direct a counseling center at a private uh, liberal arts college in upstate New York, and um, also I have international travel and work experience. So roughly five years ago, uh, Laura and I met at a conference, and we decided to merge our interest in international travel and study abroad uh, with our interest in helping others. So we, we formed with another person, another therapist, an organization called P3 Mental Health Advisors. And it's been a really fun journey. We've been able to travel and meet really interesting people and uh, you know see parts of the world that we hadn't seen prior to that. And help a lot of people in terms of learning basic helping skills because that's really our mission is to teach non clinicians how to help other people with their mental health challenges.
2: And like Gary said, I am also a mental health um, counselor, and I am based in Colorado. And I support university students here. Predominantly, my work has been with university age students, um, and I work in several universities here. Um, in in a counseling center and um, I teach I'm passionate about travel and I've lived abroad I've worked for a program called semester at sea and so I've done lots of things um, to support students over the years and and like Gary said just really we're both so passionate about um, providing support to people helping people be well
0: so during your presentation that i attended one of the things that you said was that covid is putting gas on the mental health fire and i thought that was a really good way to put it because obviously mental health issues are always happening people are always struggling in some way with their mental health but COVID has posed a lot of circumstances that kind of amplify all of those problems and make them worse. And like you said, quarantine runs counter to our nature as human beings. So can you expand on that? Like, what is it about quarantine exactly that is causing these struggles for people?
1: Well, when you think about it, um, human beings are social animals, right? We, We are hardwired to connect with each other. And if we don't, we often get more ill. And that could be physical or mental or both. And so we're hardwired to connect and quarantine is taking that uh, ability away from us. So it's a very, very uh, unfair thing, a very unhealthy thing. I just spoke to a group of students today who were in quarantine and they were telling me that in particular quarantine that they're in, they're not even able to go outside. And you know, so they're lacking sunlight and they're lacking vitamin D which both have a big influence on our mental health. So quarantine, while it may be necessary to keep coronavirus under control, it's very, very counterproductive to mental health. And one study I read recently showed that since COVID came into play last spring, it's tripled the rates of depression and anxiety in our society. So it really quite literally has put gasoline on a fire that was already there, made things much worse.
2: And I also want to add that um, substance abuse is really up during this time as well. And so, you know, people are turning to ways to try to cope with the uncomfortable feelings, the inability to go out, hang out with friends, go to parties, be in bars, go to restaurants you know, go to gyms in some some places, gyms have been cut down, so, or, or, you know, gym schedules have been cut back, so there's a lot of ways that people aren't able to do the things they normally do to take care of themselves right now, and so, you know, people are getting depressed, people are feeling anxious, and they are using substances more than potentially they normally do.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to just, like, talk about this and acknowledge it, because especially when you're in quarantine and you're not, talking to other people as much. If you're struggling at home, like it can be very easy to forget that a lot of other people are going through the same struggle and just feel like you're alone in that. So personally in my life um, with the COVID situation, two things that I've struggled with are kind of feeling like my life is on hold right now because I took one gap year intentionally and then I had to take a second gap year because of COVID and that was completely unexpected where I was already like getting excited and gearing up to go to college and then another struggle for me is just not being able to like switch environments as much as I did when I was in high school like a day in high school was going from classroom to classroom to club and then just a few hours at home whereas now it's like almost twenty four hours at home, so one listener asked on Instagram, she said, "How can we get excited and motivated about our future plans if the future is so unpredictable? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? You know, i I, I have a few thoughts. I mean, i think I think the the reality is is just
2: recognizing that you know what, there's going to be an immunization available, hopefully in the months ahead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, trying to find ways, I think a lot of anxiety, in fact, I was just talking to a student today saying this, it's like depression a lot of times is sort of ruminating on the past and a lot of anxiety is sort of future tripping and worrying about the future, right? And so it's like, Mm -hmm. how how do we trust that, you know, we've got some really great doctors and scientists working on... Um, a vaccine for this, that certainly this has changed our lives. And who knows, we may be wearing masks for a really long time, but I do believe wholeheartedly that activities are going to, um, you know, people are going to be able to regain activities once we have an immunization, right? And so, so how do we go, okay, trying to be as present as possible and making the most of today and and maybe start planning a dream trip, start planning a semester abroad, start planning, you know, like trying to be creative. You know, I know some people have like learned to cook things they've never cooked before, or some people are like, well, I'm going to try to teach myself the guitar. I'm going to go get some painting supplies and I'm going to, you know, try to be an artist or people are writing. So, you know, writing more poetry. I mean, like trying to find creative ways to manage this, This you know, wonky time. I think that's one thing. Gary, you might have some other ideas.
1: Well, just I, I hear over and over again from my clients that motivation is really difficult to can, keep going during COVID. And, and yet, you know, motivation really is an internal process, right? I mean, it helps to have external rewards like grades or encouragement from parents or friends or whatever. But, you know, this is a struggle and people have to really, what I call, practice their patience. This is going to go away, as Laura said. Hopefully within a matter of months, we'll start to see the vaccine being distributed. Now, it may take, you know, close to a year for people to fully buy in and, and receive the vaccines, but. If people stay busy and if they remain patient and if they, like Laura was saying, if they get involved in positive pursuits and hobbies, that, say, nine months for discussion purposes will go relatively quickly. But if they spend a lot of time in their head, uh, are constantly reminding themselves that it's uh, this is a really tricky thing, and don't stay focused, and don't stay uh, putting the eyes on the prize, if you will, and don't stay, you know, self motivated. Then it's going to seem like an eternity. So this is an internal thing that people have to choose. And I agree, it's not easy. It's not easy on anybody. Um, we all struggle. Professional therapists are struggling with being on Zoom all day long. They're finding it exhausting, even more so than their normal work schedule. They're finding that it's hard to stay focused at times. So this is hard on everybody. But one of our reframing strategies that I know you saw during our workshop is a, a statement that says something like this too shall pass and that we have to get creative and keep our eyes on the prize.
0: Yeah, I love those reframing statements and two other ones that I made note of while I was listening to your presentation was that struggling during this time is a normal reaction to an abnormal situation and also to accept good enough as your new standard for the time being. Like that one has been my mantra lately because I feel like during high school I had such high expectations for myself and now like it's simply not possible with the situation that I'm in and I just Once I learned to accept that and be like, okay, I got through the day and I got things done, maybe not perfectly, maybe not in the most efficient way. Maybe I wasn't happy the entire day, but like I got through the day and that's that's the standard that I can measure it by. Um, I also really agree that it's helpful to have something to look forward to. So having something to look forward to even that isn't related to COVID that can happen despite of COVID. So like I know right now, I'm just really looking forward to the holiday season. Like I started listening to holiday music and thinking about like all of the fun that we'll have in December. Even like I can still spend that time with my family, even though I can't see my friends probably in the winter. So yeah, I wanna talk about winter now because We're approaching these colder and darker months, and I think a lot of people, including me, are worried about how they're going to deal with that because a lot of the strategies that I use, like exercising outside or meeting up with friends outside, are just not going to be possible, and there's going to be less daylight as well, which is also um, a significant impact on mental health. So do you guys know of any coping skills that people can apply to this situation during the winter?
2: Hmm. Well, I think winters are hard for sure, like you said. Um, I think, you know, yes, it can be freezing depending where you are in the country and one of the things that can be helpful sometimes like I lived in upstate New York for a while it's one of the worst winters in the country bundling up and still getting outside right like it can be fun Mm -hmm. I, I think it's important to when there when there is light to try to utilize that get outside get just a little bit of light right Taking vitamin D is a really important thing, sometimes in the winter, at least, depending on where you are. But even if, like I'm in Colorado, there's tons of sunshine here. And, you know, my doctor recently said that that a lot of people here don't get enough vitamin D either. So, you know, vitamin D, um, I think finding um, finding ways there's like sun lamp things or, you know, these light, light lamps that can help as well. But, but finding, you know, like you're listening to Christmas music and trying to make yourself cozy, lighting a candle, you know, putting on some awesome music, like finding ways to, to get cozy and just, you know, maybe there's a new show on Netflix you want to watch or a new HBO series and just trying to find ways to get through Gary any ideas from you
1: I'll just kind of echo a couple of things you said you know the the lamps you mentioned we call them in the field sad lamps seasonal affective disorder lamps but they're called different things by different companies they mimic the ultraviolet rays of the Sun and that they're not perfect right but they um, we're not trying to seek perfection right so perfection is one of the problems with one of the things that fuels mental health. We're just looking for things that will help us uh, get through this difficult time. So one of the things a lot of younger people don't realize is that if your doctor can learn about your primary care physician or nurse practitioner can learn that during the winter months, if it's uh, really difficult for you and you have a regular pattern of, say, from November until April or so, feeling more sad or more, anxious or more down, they can actually prescribe one of those lamps and they're covered by insurance many times. So just keep that in mind that not every insurance company but many of them will pay for the lamps. And then even in cloudy weather, you still get some benefit, however limited it may be of of ultraviolet rays of the sun. So I encourage the students I'm working with, it's really hard when it's bitter cold but to try to be outside as much as possible, because even on cloudy, dark days, you'll get some benefit from the sun. It'll, it'll break through, if you will, and you know, give you some vitamin D, some natural vitamin D. Um, but then also, really work hard at structuring social time, even if it's on Zoom or another platform. Don't, don't isolate if you can avoid it during the winter. That's gonna make matters much worse. And also look at the downtime and the darker weather as an opportunity to catch up on some pleasure reading or some, as Laura said, a Netflix series. And watch Netflix with friends and talk about it and have fun and laugh your way through
0: it. Yeah, one thing that helps me to stay connected with my friends is that um, with a couple of friends, we have like recurring calls. So as soon as we end one call, we put the next one on the calendar so that we're not like constantly texting back and forth because I feel like... What we're missing now is that very effortless socialization where when you go to school, all of your friends are there like automatically, whereas now it's actually work to set up these appointments almost to talk to them. So yeah, having some sort of a schedule that's recurring, I found very helpful. And I loved your um, bit of advice on the light lamps. I didn't know that insurance can possibly cover them. So I think that's a really good thing to have in your Workspace, like working on homework late in the evening, I feel like that can be a good mood booster. Someone else on Instagram asked if you have any tips for separating your workspace and your living and sleeping space when all of that happens in one bedroom like it is for a lot of students.
2: That's a great question.
0: Um, and and it can be tough when
2: when you live in a small space, right so so it could be something as much as like trying not to do your work in your bed, you know and trying to have like do your work at your desk go like there are spaces out there where you can kind of get out if you're in a if you're in a residence hall, you could go to another space on campus if you're at home like I mean, there are some spaces out in the community that, that people can go depending on where you live. But, but I think the big thing is, is like trying to kind of, if you're working, focus on sort of being in work mode. And then, you know, when you're done with work, I mean, sometimes changing your clothes, as silly as that might sound, you know, changing your clothes and putting, you know, to kind of signal to yourself, okay, I'm done in, I'm done with work mode. Now I'm in, I'm in my hangout mode. You know, and so fi- like finding small ways to kind of, um, yes, you know, sig- signal that like okay, I'm switching gears now and doing something different. And again, if you can have a workspace that's separate from your you know hangout lounge space, I think that's really important.
1: A lot of the students where I work are now studying remotely. They've decided to uh, spend the semester at home. Uh, possibly they're immunocompromised. Possibly. Their parents are worried about them spreading the disease to family, older family members, so they've decided to be remote. Or they've gone to the campus for a while, but there's been outbreaks of coronavirus, so they've gone home out of uh, abundance of caution. And I've been asking them, you know, where are you doing your work? Some of them have found really creative locations, like public libraries. There's public libraries that are still open. Obviously, you can't have five people sitting at the same table anymore. But they can get out and do go to somewhere uh, like a library sometimes in their community. Um, I think it's important to just get creative. Laura mentioned creativity. And, you know, when we're pushed up against the wall, like we are with this, this is a tr- tricky situation. Sometimes we have to get very, very creative and find the best outcomes and, and the, find the best uh, options for ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think also, um, aside from, like, separating your space i think separating your time also helps so this is something i talk a lot about on my youtube channel is like kind of having like set aside times for the day where you regularly work and other times where you relax so for me working in the morning works really well and then once i get that work done in the morning then i feel free to relax in the evening and it's a much more relaxing relaxation once I know that I got my work done already in the morning. And then I also wanted to ask, um, so after like trying all of these tips, h- what advice would you have for someone who is also looking for some extra help for, for some outside help, like from a therapist, for example? Well, I
2: think it really depends on their setting, right? So like if it, if it's a university student, a lot of universities have university counseling centers that they can reach out to. A lot of universities have a number of free sessions that are included in student fees, right? So that's one example. Um, For people who might not be at a university and they're, you know, they're wanting support, there are, depending on their community, sometimes there are universities with training programs that offer free counseling, Right. Free counseling services like maybe, you know, for their graduate students that are studying counseling or psychology or social work, they have to get a certain number of hours. And so sometimes they have free clinics. Um, if that's not possible, you know, there's a lot of resources um, in communities and, you know, it just depends on, again, you um, whether or not people have the funds to pay somebody, Um, insurance, if you have insurance, a lot of times insurance companies cover X amount of sessions or maybe for a reduced rate. And then there's a lot of therapists or, you know, counselors, psychologists, social workers out there who are willing to work on sliding scale as well. And what that means is like, maybe they charge normally $120 a session, but they're willing to slide it down to $50 a session or $40 a session. So, you know, people can ask, do you offer sliding scale?
1: Also remember that most counties in the U.S. at least have um, uh, county-funded mental health clinics and that they would charge anybody who seeks counseling through those clinics on a sliding scale based on income. And if you're a student, you don't have a high income, you're going to pay a very low per session fee. Uh, Students that I've known who have accessed our local county mental health clinic where I'm located have told me that the sessions are somewhere between 10 and $20 each. So it's not expensive if you go through the county clinic. So you may wanna just look up your county's website and look what services they provide. And then if you, as Laura said, if you have insurance, There's always on your little card that you get, your insurance card, there's always a toll-free number and a website. And go to the website because if you click on mental health services, they'll list the clinicians in your area that they will fund. So insurance does pay many times. Many insurance plans pay for mental health services. You just have to do a little bit of homework to find out what uh, therapist your insurance cover, uh, company will cover.
0: All right, awesome. That's super helpful. Um, so next I wanted to talk about how we can help our friends through this, how we can all help each other. So one thing I've noticed that when I'm calling my friends and chatting with them is that I find it very easy, like even if I'm not really feeling great, just to automatically like put on this cheerful persona and talk about like just fun things. And we never really like get to talking about mental health unless someone initiates that conversation so do you have any tips for asking friends how they're doing in a way that um, like they won't just respond oh I'm good how are you you know um, and that also like gives them space to keep things private if they do if they don't want to talk about it
1: a good question to start out with is what's been the hardest part about this week or what's been the what's been the stressful things about? covid for you or what are your three biggest stressors that kind of those kind of questions get a little bit of a deeper discussion going
0: yeah i really like those because they're like they're like templates almost like it's not so Mm open-ended and like there's you know i'm sure you've heard of
2: this game like highs and lows right like where you just you know sometimes people sit around a table and go you know what was your high point for the week what was your low point you know and that's something like everybody contributes and it's it's um you know, you're, you're not just hearing the hard stuff, you're hearing the good stuff too, but it, it, it creates a forum for people to talk about some challenging stuff, right? In a, in a way that's maybe potentially more comfortable.
0: In your presentation, you also talked about the importance of role modeling self-care in a public way because as you said, like it's contagious. And that especially resonated with me as a content creator, like making videos and sharing my life on Instagram. And also just as part of a generation that's very active on social media, like even people who don't have blogs tend to share a lot of their lives on social media. But one thing I've struggled with is that I tend to share mostly just like the positive moments and the the moments that I think are inspirational because I tend to want to participate in social media when I'm feeling good, but then if I'm not feeling good, I want to withdraw. And so... I I struggle with finding that balance between like maintaining a cheerful and positive online space while being honest and authentic about my personal struggles because I want people to know that I'm struggling too, but I also don't want to like bring bring down their mood unnecessarily. So do you have any thoughts on that um, struggle, I guess? Well, I think
2: one of the things that like you're making me think about this notion. It's like, ultimately we're all responsible for ourselves, right? And I I always tell students, you know, I'm not the expert of you. You know, I believe over the course of our lifetime, it's that we have to become experts of ourselves, right? So that's the first thing. And so you're not responsible for other people's moods. And certainly you can influence, right? You, you know, because you're in a position to influence, right? Because you have a podcast, because you have a YouTube channel, for example. But, but I think that like another thing to consider is that life has ups and downs, I don't know anybody whose life is perfect. I don't think that exists. I don't know anybody whose life is up all the time. You know, there are some people that life has, has been a little bit rosier for than others for sure. But it's like, how do we start to understand that, that, and accept, right? That like, I'm not rosy all the time either. And and I'm a mental health provider, right? I have life is hard, you know, life has challenges, but we have to find ways to be able to say, you know, I, I that it that it just acknowledge that like this is a real thing that we all go through. And we have to be, I, I I'm a big believer in, in this notion, this is maybe like, you know, sounds like some hippie wisdom or something, but like we have to accept ourselves, right? When we have to accept all parts of ourselves. That means our down days. It means our down moments. It means our anxious moments as much as we can accept our our happy moments. Right. And so like everybody's, anything you post, most people post and talk about their good times. Like I always say our best photos are what go up on Instagram or Facebook. They're not our crap moments. Right. And so how do, but, but I think the reality is, is that we all have we're human. We all have all of those moments. And and the more we can be patient and loving with ourselves when we're in a down moment, I think it helps us get through those moments, right? And it's when we're beating ourselves up or trying not trying to be something else that causes us to feel worse a lot of the time.
0: What are some ways that you think we can model self-care when it comes to our friends? So, like I guess one idea that I was thinking of was kind of having accountability buddies with your friends. So some habits that help me in quarantine, like exercising or waking up early are things that sometimes are difficult to keep up with. So do you have any thoughts on like kind of motivating each other when it comes to like talking to our friends and getting through it together?
1: I think you um, answered your own question (laughs) in a a way. (laughs) Um, The accountability buddy is such a great idea. One thing we know from the research is that goals that you share publicly are more likely to be achieved. So if you, you don't want to keep your goals to yourself because then there's nothing to hold you accountable to them. But if you share your goals with a friend or family members, they can check in with you periodically and ask you, how are you doing on learning that uh, new skill? Or how are you doing on applying to that college you really want to go to? Um, so an accountability buddy or an accountability group too is a really good thing. And believe it or not, all age groups are starting to hear about this idea and starting to, to do these things. And you can combine it with fun and social time. It doesn't have to be all serious all the time, but um, share your goals with your friends and then question each other how you're doing and just be honest and be willing to hear their feedback. But I think uh, your idea of an accountability buddy is probably one of the best ways because public goals are much more likely to be held to and adhered to and achieved.
0: So lastly, I wanted to talk about like the long-term impact of COVID. So in your presentation, you talked about how Generation Z is becoming more resilient due to what we're experiencing with COVID and that this is kind of our big life event well, hopefully for now th- there might be even crazier things that happen in the future, but it's kind of the way that previous generations went through the Great Depression and that significantly impacted the rest of their lives. So, since Generation Z is experiencing this in like their formative years, how do you think this will affect us in the long term?
1: I mean, that's a great question. Obviously, we don't have a crystal ball, so we don't we don't exactly know. But I think they'll or we, all of us are going through it, right? But Gen Z in particular, I think you folks will um, understand struggle. You'll understand hard times. You'll understand that um, as long as you remain patient and positive, you'll get through stuff. Um, and that you know that you know struggle actually makes you a stronger person, not a weaker person. It also builds character, it sounds a little trite, a little corny, that struggle builds character, but it it actually does, like it makes you deeper. Um, There's an old expression, still waters run deep, right? Like the people who have had a really charmed life often can be rather shallow and kind of, you know, I don't know, boring for lack of a better term, but people who have been challenged have more perspective. They have, they're just more interesting to be around. So I think, yeah, I do think this is like a defining moment for, for Gen Z, and it's gonna make you better in the long run, not worse. It's just tough as you go through it, and when you're in the midst of a struggle, it doesn't seem like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but when you're over it and you can look backwards, you can see and begin to appreciate what that did for me or how that changed me for the better, actually.
2: Gosh, I just, you know, I kind of already said that a little bit about just life. Life is challenging and we don't we don't know what the future is going to bring. But I can tell you one of the things that happens like the older you get, the more you're able to look back on life. Right. You'll be able to look back and you can go, whoa, you know, that relationship that I thought was my end all be all dream relationship that didn't work out. I got through it. Right. And and sometimes you end up meeting somebody even better right? Or you look at you, you are, were able to look back and see things that we didn't know how we were going to get through when we managed to get through. And like Gary said, like that builds strength. It builds character. It builds grit. And, and at the end of the day, like I do, I, I agree with what kind of what he said, like, the people that are most interesting to me are the people who've had complex lives they've had sorrow they've had challenge and 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 they've thrived right they they went through it they got through it and and it gave them a new appreciation for life and for good and and you know so at the end of the day none of us want the hard stuff like you know but i but i i think that we do it, we don't do a lot of our growth in the good moments. In the good moments, we're like cruising. like We're like, this is great. I don't want anything to change. It's in the bad moments, right, or the hard moments that we actually like think about our lives and we think about what can I do differently, how can I be differently, how can I strengthen myself, who can I turn to, what can I turn to for support, And, and sometimes it's, those are the times we find out who our true friends are, you know? So there's a lot of ways that these challenging moments in life, you know, you know, when you read books and memoirs about people, they're not usually people who had like easy breezy, you know, moments their whole life. I don't think that really exists for a lot of people. So it's, it's, again, it's, it's, these oppor- they give us opportunities to be better, to do better, you know, and to really push our limits and find out what we're made of.
0: Yeah, I think that's a perfect note to end this on. We'll all get through this and grow because of it, and maybe write books on it in the future as well. So for the last part, I wanted to do a little quick lightning round of questions. So First, I wanted to ask, what is one book, um, collectively, or one for the each of you, that you would recommend on this topic of mental health?
2: I mean, I have one, and it's—I I have a few books that I recommend a lot. Right? One of the books, and—and and this could, you know, this—this is—it's pretty deep book, but there, there's a book called *Man's Search for Meaning* by Victor uh, Frankl. I was
1: going to say this. Actually. Yeah, Go I ahead. love.
2: I love this book and it's not a long book. It's, it's, you know, maybe a hundred pages and it tells the story of this really, um, amazing man who, who, uh, was in, was in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany and, you know, he's a doctor and, and it was like his reflections on his life and, and, he really had to find the positive moments in every single day in order to survive that, that struggle. And so, you know, it's, it's a pretty deep book. And so, you know, some people might not resonate with that, but it is, you know, it's not hard to read at all. And, and, you know, it's like somebody who was in the midst of deep, deep pain and he found beauty and, and small little things in every single day that helped him survive. That's one book that I love.
0: Gary, do you have another one or was that? That's
1: exactly the book I was going to mention.
0: The same brainwaves. I read that book as well. I really, really like it. And then the second lightning round question is what is one habit that each of you have been finding most helpful these days?
1: For me, it's creating what I call, and I think I mentioned it in the presentation or it might even be in the reframing list, um, create an artificial structure. Um, if you don't have a structure to your day, especially during COVID, because our days are a lot different than they used to be. Uh, they're sort of more, a little bit more free form, I, th- I find it. Um, you've got to have an artificial structure or it's going to be really hard to self-motivate. It's going to be really hard to get things done that you need to get done. Uh, and it's going to be easier to procrastinate and probably get into more of a funky, sad mood. So I think for me, it's just been creating a structure of, Getting things done, having time for fun, having time to get outside, um, having time to do the tasks I need to do, but not overstressing because, as you pointed out um, from our list of the reframing things, we're not operating at white hot heat right now. Nobody is probably performing at the same level that they would have pre COVID. We're all having to keep our expectations very reasonable, which is not a bad skill no matter what's going on in the outside world. But this has kind of forced us to look at those things. So I think keeping a reasonable set of expectations on ourselves and others is a helpful thing too.
2: And you know, one of the things that I've been really doing is like, I've been thinking a lot about this notion of like focusing on being content versus on being happy. Right, because we have so much emphasis in our, you know, in our lives. Like, I want to be happy. I want to be happy, and like, there's, I mean, who doesn't want to be happy? We all want to be happy, right? But this notion, like of happiness, like happiness can be like a moment. It can be a whole day. It can be like, oh, I got this. Now I feel happy. Right. But the opposite of that is now I feel down. Right. So I feel like with happy, sad, there's like a bigger roller coaster ride. And so I've been spending a lot more time thinking about how, how can I be content? Right. And so, A lot of, you know, the research on happiness says, how do we find little things in our everyday lives that bring us joy? Kind of like Viktor Frankl, right? So like being thoughtful about like, okay, what do I want to eat right now? Rather than just like grab whatever comes out of the refrigerator first, right? Like, you know, okay, what can I do? I'm going to go get a bagel from my favorite bagel shop, or I'm going to make my favorite tea or my favorite coffee, or... You know, I go to Trader Joe's and buy myself three, you know, flowers for 3.99, you know that usually last a week or two. And it's like these are little things that I can do uh that bring me joy, right? I download music, you know, like favorite songs and it's like You know, some people do iTunes, some people don't, but for $1.29, I can download a song that I could listen to a lot and it makes me happy, you know? So finding small ways in every single day to, to experience some sort of, you know, joy, I think is so critical. It's critical now, but it's critical, I think, for overall contentment in our lives. So that's what I've been working on.
0: Yeah, I've definitely been doing that as well. I've started drinking a lot more fruit teas like just for fun or today i had to answer some messages on instagram and i thought like instead of sitting at my desk to do this like why don't i sit on my bed and put on some relaxing music so yeah little little ways to like infuse my day with more fun and relaxation have been super helpful for me so where can our listeners find you
2: online well they can go we do have a website that we are working on updating but um p3 mentalhealth.com. Gary, what's our address? No, it's
1: laura at p3mentalhealth.com.
2: Okay, thank you. I'm so glad or you know. Gary at, at p3mentalhealth.com. p3mentalhealth.com. So those would be ways for people if they want to write us individually, they can. But um, we do have that website as well. that and P3
1: has a, a Twitter account.
0: At p3mentalhealth, right? Awesome. So we'll put the links to all of those in the show notes so that our listeners can find them easily. Thank you so much for participating in this interview. This was a really awesome conversation. And I think a lot of people will be able to find a lot of helpful tidbits of information from this. Nice. You are so
2: welcome. Thanks for
1: having us. This was a lot of fun.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's really a nice, nice change to the to the day. So this is one of my one of my perks for today.
0: So three takeaways from today's episode. First up, use your resources. As we talked about, universities often have counseling centers and you might be able to get some sessions as part of what you paid for tuition. You can see what your insurance offers in terms of what therapy services they provide. Some counselors offer sliding scale services. So based on your income, you may be able to pay less per session and looking to your county's resources to see what they have there. Also, as Gary talked about, you might be able to get tools like the SAD seasonal affective disorder lamps covered by your insurance. Second, winter is coming up, sadly, so we have to make a plan for how we're going to adjust. Try and get outside. Like they say, there's no such thing as bad weather, there's only bad clothing, so bundle up and do your best to make it work. Consider taking vitamin D supplements if you don't get enough sunlight. Find things that you enjoy indoors that are cozy, and listen to holiday music. (laughs) Finally, check in with your friends and have regular conversations. So as I mentioned, scheduling recurring calls with some friends works really well for me because it eliminates some of the work of scheduling these calls. Ask them specific questions. You can use a format where everyone shares a high and a low from their day or from their week. And then our action for the day ties into this. So while you're talking to your friends, We talked in this episode about how public goals are way more likely to be met than ones that you just keep to yourself. So pick a habit that you want to work on or some task that you want to accomplish and tell your friend about it so that they can be your accountability buddy and check in with you and see how you're doing on that and vice versa. My one recommendation for today is Gary was actually part of putting together this 365-day guided journal called The Daily Broom. The really special thing about this journal is that all of the royalties earned from it go to buying copies of the journal for people who can't afford to buy one for themselves. So you know that you are getting an awesome resource for yourself and someone else is going to get one as well. I think it also makes a really good gift because we're approaching the holiday season and we're approaching the new year and it's a 365-day journal so it's a great thing to start for the new year if you want to do that. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, remember to be kind to yourself, stay cozy, and we'll all get through this together. Bye! If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at theblissbean and theblissbean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's theblissbean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at theblissbean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.